0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, You know, the other thing uh, had someone last And they were in the dollar store. And they saw that uh, all these little gloves, just the, the wool gloves that you can pull over. They had found that there was uh, wool gloves that were sale for a uh, dollar a piece. So they just grabbed a bunch of those and brought them down. And when we put those out on the table that particular day at the Oasis, people were so excited to be able to know their kids could have good dry gloves that they would have for the winter. So we all know it's changing outside, and uh, it's a good thing to be able to bless people and keep them warm and safe. Amen? All right. You ready to get into the Word today? Hallelujah. Open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Old Testament Isaiah chapter 1. If I had to put a title to today's message, it would be willing and obedient. And in Isaiah chapter 1, take a look at verse 18 and 19, and I'm reading out of the New King James here. It says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, when I read scripture, whenever I find the word if, any place in Old Testament or New, I always circle it in my Bible just because that helps me remember that there is a condition something has to be taking place there and he speaks up and he says if you are willing and obedient now verse 18 really jumps out when it says your sins shall be forgiven you know there are people all over the world that have rejected Christ or they have felt rejected by the church they didn't feel that they fit in they didn't think that their lives were good enough to be around others maybe you've noticed this with your own friends the people that you hang out with what do you have in common with them sometimes people hang out because they have similar incomes They like to do certain things and you need that income to be able to do it. Some people hang out together because they work together or they live in the same neighborhood. Sometimes because they belong to the same club or because they belong to the same church. They'll hang out and do things together. Maybe you go to school with a group of people and they have become your friends and you spend that time together. That kind of a relationship that you have is a gift from God because it will help you to be able to not only build friendships, but it will help you to be able to share your faith. See, to share your faith does not mean you're always preachy all the time. That's not the way to build friendships. But you build friendships because you love people. Jesus said that they would know us by our love. And that love has to be a love of compassion, not of criticism, but a love that cares genuinely about people. Now, to do that, that means we have to get involved with somebody. Uh, I know. Aren't you busy all the time? And sometimes when you hear me or other people say to you, well, you need to spend time with folks. Where am I going to find the time? You know what? You spend time with people all the time. It's just that sometimes we do it in little segments, little bits of time here and there. It's not that you always sit at home with each other that are friends for two or three hours and sit around and look at each other and say, well, what should we do? Most people don't have that kind of a schedule. But realizing that you've been given a gift from God that when he changed your heart, you can share the goodness of God, how he can change anybody's heart. And when you share that faith that's going on inside you, it can become contagious. But in verse 19, when it says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That reminds us that we have a God who is our provider. Now, people are going to get together on Thursday and have a huge meal. Now, most of the time, they're going to have some traditional dishes with those meals. Sometimes they don't have anything traditional. Maybe uh, I've got a friend of mine who's a pastor, and his family is all from Mexico. And when we were talking the other day, I said, so are you making plans for Thanksgiving? He said, yeah. He said, my grandma's enchiladas are to die for. And I said, enchiladas? He said, yeah, we don't like that old dry white meat. I said, now, you know it. I said, if you fry it, it doesn't ever get dry. He said, fried, fried. He says, fried food and Mexican food. Yeah, that all goes together. He said, but my grandma's enchiladas. He said, ooh. He said, we'll be sitting around the table eating that. Everybody does things a little bit differently. No matter what you eat, you're going to be doing something that day because the truth is most all of us eat all the time. Some of us eat more times than others. But we like to eat. Now, what's the whole purpose of the meal? The meal is a part of the celebration because Thanksgiving is about giving thanks and praise to God. See, it has to come from your heart. You have to be able to have that heart relationship with him. But the cool part is, even in our country, we all stop and whether people seemingly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they stop and give thanks. They may be thankful for the people that are around the room. They may not all acknowledge God, but see, something kicks in where they're thankful. Now, the crazy part is, after they have sat down at the meal and given thanks and enjoyed a meal together, then they start making plans how they can go out and trample each other on Friday morning. We went by Best Buy the other day, and there was no tent sitting out in front at this point. But I've often thought to myself about those people, and if that was one of you in the past, I'm sorry if I've just insulted you. But, you know, they'll sit out in a tent in front of Best Buy to be able to get that perfect bargain and deal at that early shopping moment when they open the doors. Or when people start to cram at the doors waiting to get get the door buster products. You know, now if you've ever done that, it can be fun. But at the same time, it can make you mad in so many ways. Years ago, I'll never forget, we were in line. We'd went out early on uh, a Friday morning to Target in Moline. And we were in the line, but we were up toward the front. All of a sudden, there was a group of people that came up, and they stood over here and started to form a second line. And the people that were in front of us, everybody started getting a little upset. Go to the end of the line. We're in the official line. And they they were making their own line cheaters. Man, it made you think you were back in grade school. It was almost just like being in the cafeteria and somebody was cutting in line. And you went up and you bopped them in the head. In the name of Jesus, of course. The Bible says, do all things in the name of the Lord. And then pray for them after you get out of the store for them to be healed because you knocked them out cold. But I'll never forget Everybody was standing in line, and these people were determined. You could see it in their feet. They were moving their feet. And all of a sudden, the line we were in, the guy at the front of it, man, he was sort of the ringleader for all of us. He said, everybody move in close, move in close. And we all started to huddle. And we were huddled right by that door. And I looked at the clerk inside who was using the key to try to unlock those automatic doors. And I knew at that moment they were thinking, I'm going to die. over somebody getting some new little boo-boo kitty outfit or something like that. And as we stood there, he stood away from the door on the inside, and you could see him reaching up for the button. And these people over here, they started to get shoulder to shoulder with us. And all of a sudden, the doors opened, and everybody in our line pushed them over to the side as we all went rushing in. And they pushed right back to be able to run inside. And we all ran inside the store, and nobody knew where the sales were, and we were all just like this in the middle. People were grabbing carts going every which way, and I'm trying to think, where's the Cabbage Patch dolls? Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. I don't do that anymore. I remember thinking to myself, why did I let those people, have you ever noticed the problem in the world is always with those people? Hmm? Why did I let those people get me so angry because they wanted to cut in line? You know there's always people that break the rules. There's always people that don't follow through, and you can get yourself all upset about it, or you can begin to say, God, you're my source. You're going to be able to take care of me on all this. Because first of all, Christmas itself is not about all the stuff, but it's all about what you have inside. And if we allow those people, would you say those people with me? Those people to try to steal our joy, then we've missed out what the holiday is. We've missed out what our purpose is. Here, you know, some people may pray this way on Thanksgiving Day. Lord, I'm so thankful for the blessings you've given us this year. We thank you for a great year. And I thank you now, Lord, that you give me favor to be in front of everybody in line tomorrow. I thank you that people will be slipping on the floor and busting their neck so I can step right over them and get something for little Joey. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God's not going to bless that. The funny part is, throughout Scripture, God talks about wanting to bless his people. And sometimes, in spite of ourselves, God still blesses us. Now, how in the world does that work? You see, because we have a God who knows all things, who is more than enough. The Old Testament word is El Shaddai. Now, when you've given your heart to God, it's important for you to know, because you've given your heart to him, he's trying to direct your path in the first place. He's trying to lead you and show you the path of righteousness. But something kicks in here, and he says here, if you're going to be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. God wants you blessed, but wrong thinking produces wrong results in every one of our lives. People without biblical understanding are missing a lot people that are in our world that just are out there for themselves, they're missing a lot. You have a biblical understanding. You have the Word of God. You can read it. You can study it yourself. And this Word says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, I want to see blessings come into your life. But have you ever noticed how wrong information can produce wrong results in all of us? Have you ever gotten directions from someplace and it's not correct? Correct. Now, I know Garmin and Google and all these other map companies out there trying to give you directions. And there are people that will push in, put in an address, and they'll try to find which way they're supposed to go. And then they get the wrong address or they get the wrong location. Now, here's something interesting for all of us. All right, our location here, this little 10 acres of land that we have. Depending how you look it up, it will either say we're in East Moline or it'll say we're in Silvis. Or it'll say we're in Rock Island County. But when you push it on Google, many times it shows that we're located right next to the Rock Island County Fairgrounds. That's not where we're at. That's called Reynolds Ford. (laughs) Scott Reynolds and I went to high school together. We graduated, together. we've been friends for a long time. And so one day he had someone who had stopped in and he had had them Google the location of Reynolds Ford and first of all, they pulled into our parking lot. So for some reason, Reynolds Ford, when you put it in Google, showed Faith Walk's location. And these people had been here and turned around and went down and they were telling Scott about it. So he called me one day in the office and he said, I want you to know I'm going to begin to move a line of cars down to your parking lot. <laughs> I said, as long as the church gets commission, I'm okay with that. Sometimes maps don't always get it right. Sometimes if you've got the wrong information, you can get the wrong results. Wrong thinking has hurt a lot of people through the years. Sometimes we've ran into folks that have had folks tell them when they came down with cancer or some kind of sickness, well, God's doing this to punish you. God's doing this to teach you a lesson. God's doing this because you have been disobedient. First of all, God is not in the business of hurting or harming you. God sent his son to heal the world. Sickness and disease, we go back, and we're not going to spend all the time there throughout Old Testament history, back in the Garden of Eden. Sickness and disease came because of Adam and Eve's sin and disobedience. Because of that, it brought on poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Those three things took place, but Jesus came that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. So when these things start to hit us, we need to know, first of all, God is not going to use cancer to help you. Now the good news is when sickness starts to show up, the Bible tells us that God can use anything and turn it around for his glory. So you might be battling something with your sickness in your body right now, but I want you to know this. First of all, God's not giving it to you. All sickness and disease comes from the devil. It's an attack of evil that God wants to heal you and make you well. Now, we know this that sometimes people who are hit with sickness and disease die from it. So, what does that mean? Was there something wrong with them? All I can tell you is this we all have a certain amount of time we're going to be here on this earth. Some people die prematurely, some people die in very old age. But the truth is, every one of us will die one day. Now, what will we do with our time we have here on earth? How will we turn it around for a blessing? Is it right for us to believe that Jesus is the healer? We don't deny sickness, but we deny its right to stay in our body. For our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Some people say things like this, money is the root of all evil. Wait a minute, that's not right. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You can't worship stuff. You have to worship the Lord. Then somebody comes up with this idea that it's holy to be poor instead of prosperous. Hmm. Well, I got to tell you something, You you can be prosperous and holy together, no matter what your income level is. Doesn't matter what you have in the bank or in your pocket, if you put your trust in God, He will take care of you. Now why then do we talk about God prospering and meeting the needs of His people? Because He has blessed you so that you can be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Would you say that with me? I am blessed to be a blessing. One more time. I am blessed to be a blessing. You are his representative here on the earth. That doesn't mean that the only way you can be blessed is to be driving an absolutely brand new car. But if you are driving an absolutely brand new car, that's all right. It's a blessing. Don't compare yourself to other people. Some folks have a car note that they pay $800 a month on. You may not have a car note because your car is all paid for. Who's the most blessed? See, let's not compare that. Let's just figure out what we have to do to answer to God. That's not going to make it if we try to get jealous of each other. But the thing is, we've got to know that if God did it for one, he will do it for you. But that doesn't mean we become covetous. Remember, that's one of those sins in the Bible that God says, don't be covetous. That's part of the Ten Commandments there. Why is that there? Because sometimes we get the wrong thinking and we get religious thinking instead of biblical thinking. Let's think like the Word of God. Amen? Our thinking needs to be in line with the Word of God. If our thinking is wrong, then our believing is going to be wrong. And if our believing is wrong, then our talking is going to be wrong. When I became a Christian, I was in seventh grade. One of the other boys who rode my school bus, he was already a Christian. We were talking one day, and he says to me, hey, listen, I want you to pray with us. Now that you're a Christian, he said, Donna and I are praying for someone, and they don't want to get saved. They've rejected Christ, so here's how we're going to pray. We're praying that God makes them sick, sicker than a dog, so that when they're down in their bed, they'll have no hope of getting up unless they accept Jesus. I'm in seventh grade. I've just become a Christian. I don't know anything. I thought, yeah. Go get them, God. Make them puke their guts out. Because, you know, in seventh grade, you say puke. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't know how this worked. Man, I started praying for all kinds of people to get sick. Man, they don't want to accept you, Jesus. Make them sick. Put them in bed. Make them think they're going to die so that they have to get saved so they don't go to hell. Amen. Well, that was pretty dumb praying. I'm sure thankful that God didn't make them sick. (laughs) My friend came to me. His nickname was Happy. His real name was Cliff, so you know why everybody called him Happy. And uh, as he came to me, he said, we need to pray harder. He said, have you noticed? And the kid's name was Joey. And he said, "Have you noticed, Joey hasn't gotten sick yet. I said, I'm praying every day that God makes him sick. <laughs> wrong information produces wrong results. It wasn't until I studied the Bible and studied the Word that I started saying, oh, wait a minute, we can't do that. We can't pray for people to get sick. That would be sort of like praying, oh, God, break their car down in Jesus' name so that they'll have pity on me and mine. Amen. Now I know some of you, the only thing that's holding your car together right now on the parking lot is the, the rust parts all joining hands together and hanging on. That doesn't mean that you sit back and get jealous of somebody else that doesn't have all the rust. It means you start believing God. We need to have right thinking. We need to have right believing and we need to have our speaking lined up with the word of God. I need to be speaking. Our God is an encourager. Yes, there's times of judgment. There's times of moments that things are taken care of. But be careful that you're not out there trying to judge everybody else. Take care of yourself and walk in love. And be careful if you go up to people and say, listen, I want you to know I know why you're sick. This and this is going on in your life. You better have a word from God about that or else you're gonna be condemning somebody who you have no business condemning. The world is confused about what's going on, but God has the answer. It has the answer. God's not against wealth, but he's against covetousness, like I just said. And to desire, when the word speaks up here, to desire that which belongs to another is really the definition of covetous. Being greedy or eager to acquire something. So that's talking about not working for it, not believing for it. That's talking about just wanting to take from somebody else. Know this, that we have a value system that's based off the Word of God, not off of earthly things. And when the world starts pushing its values on us, we need to stand up and live by the Word of the living God. Let's stay in the Old Testament. Look in Proverbs chapter 3 with me. Proverbs, right after the book of Psalms. We're just not too far away there. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, let's look at verses 1 through 6. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. For so, uh, and you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. God's Word adds life. Would you say that with me? God's Word adds life. Every time you read the Word, it brings life into your spirit. It will encourage you. Now, this is not a magic genie that we take our Bibles and rub it to say abracadabra. That's not it at all. It's a life-changing attitude and action that takes place inside of us. But do you know the word trust and the word faith throughout Scripture can be interchanged? So think about this, when it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, he's saying here, have faith in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Having faith, faith says, I believe what the word says, even if I don't see it in the natural. Because sometimes answers to prayer are not seen right up front. But we know this that in the spirit realm, when we start standing in faith, stuff starts to change. Evil has to start letting go because the power of God is ready, getting ready to explode on a situation. That's what we call the miraculous. That's what we call answers to prayer and to our God. Stay in this same chapter and look over in verse 7 and 8. Same chapter three in Proverbs, verse seven and eight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, how amazing is that? When it speaks up here, the reverential fear of God, this idea that we begin to honor God. Listen, don't live your life thinking that God's standing up in heaven with a lightning bolt looking to find out something you do wrong and zap you. Now, some of us, if we were all in charge, would be doing that to a lot of folks. Now, you know, if you were God, have you ever thought that way? Oh, Lord, just let me be in charge one day. I could get rid of so many people. Isn't that the truth? We would get rid of some people. But the fact is, God still wants them to get saved. We've watched something horrible happen on the news this past week over in Paris as we prayed Wednesday night and our missionaries, Carlos and Diane, were here and ministered. But it's a timely message they brought to us on Wednesday night and, and the importance that we have to understand that having a standard of righteousness doesn't mean you put everybody else down. It means you answer to God. We have to have that reverential fear that says, God, I'm serving you and I love serving you. See, serving God, it's not a pain in the neck. If you love him, you want to be able to do it. It's just like in your home, in your family. If you love your family, you want to serve them. You want to help them. There is that attitude that changes inside of each of us. Now, the hard part is, is sometimes when people assume on you. They take advantage of you. They never say thank you. They don't do this. They don't do that. And after a while, you feel a little bit unappreciated. Do you know it's still right to serve even if you're not appreciated? It's still right to give sacrificially because you do it unto the Lord. This kind of reverential fear they're speaking about here brings health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Our, our bones are producing the white and the red blood cells within our body. They're producing the things that we need to keep us healthy. That marrow that is in your bones is there for a purpose. Sometimes we don't understand everything about the human body, but God made it in such a way that it would be blessed. If we have problems within our bo- in our marrow, in our bones, if people get some kind of sickness in their bones, it can spread very quickly. But know this, God is still the healer as we put our faith and trust in him. Look down in verse 9 through 12. It says honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits in all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves he corrects just as a father the son in whom he delights. When you honor God with your possessions, with your tithe, with your offering, everything that you have, you say to God, Lord, you blessed me with all this anyway. If you need it, it's yours. You know, as a family, you wait till your kids all start to drive. And right away, the car that you've been driving becomes their car. And they can't wait to get the keys and get out there and have that freedom of having a car. Man, it's a great time within any family's life. But you know, they're taking on what you have already labored for. You have made the payments. You have done all these things. You have got the automobile. And now because they've got the license, they have the privilege of driving your car. See, they have to understand that too. They have to understand that there is responsibility within the family if I've been blessed with something from my family. When people are sitting down to eat on Thursday, they may not have paid for the meal, But somebody did. Somebody did that. Somebody did all the work. Somebody baked all those pies and did all these different things. They gave. You see, if each of us invests something, we have a part in the end game. We realize that we put something into it and we're responsible for it. It's just like anything within your family. Listen, if your kids start saying something that they want, first of all, don't just promise them things. But say to them, let's believe God for that. Teach them how to start using their faith as children. Don't let mom and dad be the source for everything. But don't lie to your kids either. You know, we never said to our kids, here's these promises, here's these promises, and then we weren't able to keep our word. But we would say to them, all right, we've got this planned out we're going to do, and just know this, that the plans could change. But here's our plan for what we're going to do. When we were... First, uh, in, in the little white church building, one of the years, we had one of the guys in the church who had passed away the day we were decorating our tree. And so we were downstairs decorating our tree, and the phone call came, and they had found him. He had passed away. I had to right away change clothes and go over to be with the family at that moment. I looked at my family, and I said, we will finish decorating later. Now, they understood within what I do that there are times that my schedule gets interrupted. So we made sure that we didn't make promises to our kids we couldn't keep. Parents don't make promises and break them and say, next time, next time, next time. Do your best to keep your word. Because it will train your kids to know that your word means something. It's like the parent who says to their children, now listen, if you do that again, I'm going to spank you. And after the fifth time of them saying that, the kid knows that you don't mean it. You keep your word. You keep your word. Now, Spanking your child doesn't mean you go into child abuse, but it means you get their attention. That's why God invented wooden spoons. That's why he put fat on the butt. That's why there are certain things that are done as punishment. Oh, 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 you're punished. Your punishment's going to be, oh, what can I do so they don't bug me? Your punishment's going to be, I'm going to send you to grandma's. <laughs> and your kid's has gone. Yay! So in other words, if I do this again, I get to go to grandma's? Yay! If you Well, I know. I punished you. I told you you couldn't come out of your room till you're 30. And I know you're 7. But you've been driving me much nuts this week, so you're not grounded anymore. You know, they thought they were going to live out their whole life in their bedroom. And that was back in the day when folks didn't have everything in their bedroom. Some of your kids have televisions, they have all their video games, and let alone they have their cell phones so that they're in touch with the world. I'm really going to punish you. I'm going to make you not eat your green beans. Hallelujah, I've never found a reason for green beans in the first place honor the Lord with your possessions. I love it how he begins to explain things. And he says here what he's going to bring blessing wise back into your life. He says, the first fruits, you bring that in before God, your barns will be filled with plenty. Now, most of you don't have a barn, but you do have a bank account. You do have a house. You do have other things going on here. God intends for you to be blessed. He wants to be your source in everything. Then it even says, and your vats will overflow with new wine. New wine is not fermented. It's not alcoholic. It's fresh out of the field. There is a flavor that's there. It's sort of like even when you go out in the fall, and maybe you like to have some apple cider, and you get that, and it's right out of the refrigerator, or it's been kept nice and cold. Uh, We've many times gone out to Stones out in Hampton and gotten apple cider, and you get that, and you pour it in, and it's just crisp. It is just so good. This is what God's speaking about. Listen, fermentation to anything happens when something begins to rot. Have you ever watched some of those old movies? Pour me some whiskey. And they get their cup. I'll pretend this is a cup full of whiskey. And they're standing at the bar, and you see these old cowboys, and they take that and give me a shot. And they get it and put it in their mouth. And they come back. (sighs) Ah! Give me another one. You know why? Because it tastes bad. (laughs) Ah. Okay, so that's what it tastes like. So for the rest of their life, they get used to it, and somehow they start thinking what tastes bad tastes good. There's a reason. Look at how nutty we are. Let's call the bad stuff the good stuff. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Take a look at verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father, the son, in whom he delights. Don't despise God's correction. When he shows you something in the word, listen to it. Just like natural parents correct out of love, so does God. God is not up there as a magic genie. God is not up there saying that you don't ever do anything wrong. Sometimes we are doing something wrong, and we need to be corrected. But know this, God will correct you with love as the whole motivation behind every bit of it. Stay in the Old Testament. Let's go a little bit further back. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits In the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Let's say that one line together. And whatever he does shall prosper. One more time. And whatever he does shall prosper. There are times that we fail. But just because you have failed at something doesn't mean you don't get back up and do it again. Remember the scripture we read last week, how that the righteous may fall seven times, but God raises him up? Just because you fail at something doesn't mean you won't succeed the next time. If you've got something in your heart, go for it. Believe God for it. If you haven't seen it work out yet and you know that it's going to, get your faith out there and believe for the supernatural hand of God. This word says, delight yourself in the word of God, not ungodly counsel. Listen, you've got to know that believers have to be careful who they listen to. And sometimes you can get bad counsel from even other Christians. If they're not going to tell you what the word says, you can sometimes get bad counsel from Christians. Always base everything off the word. If you just have someone say to you, oh, you poor thing, I know what the Bible says, but listen, you're the exception to the rule. Right away, sirens ought to go off in your head saying, hold on, be careful what you listen to. Wrong information brings wrong results. It goes on and says here, like a tree planted beside the river, you'll have your needs met so that you'll bear fruit in the harvest season. You know, the cool thing, even when droughts happen around us and we see things all dry up and wither, when you go by and you see a tree that's close to the water, it's still drawing off that water from that river. It will still be provided for know this the world may be in chaos but if you put your faith and trust in god he will sustain you yeah but pastor what about people whose income gets changed think about what we saw some of you saw it sunday night on the news all those uh uh, teamsters that were out at their meeting they were truck drivers for years out in in, uh, Milan or rock island wherever their union hall is they were told that the pension's running out of money And they're going to take and make almost a 60% cut in pay to all the people that are already retired. Now, who do you know that can do that? Think about if your income was cut in half, how would you survive? It happens, you know, all the time. It happens all the time. God has to be our source. Thank God for pensions. Thank God for the things for retirement, what you're putting away with. We all want to make plans for the future, okay? Maybe your plan for the future is when you retire, you're going to be the greeter at Walmart. Whatever it's going to be here, you got some kind of a plan together. But let God be the source of everything you have. Even if the income gets cut, God can make up the difference. Nobody said amen on that part here. Okay, I hear a little bit. Pastor, but you know that's rough. I know it. And here, guess get ready. Get ready. Hallelujah. Here you go. Life is not fair. I know that is politically incorrect. I know that the goobly goop that they teach you in schools today, that everybody is a winner. Let's give everybody a trophy. Oh, here's your ribbon. What a bunch of junk. We have brainwashed our children into living a life that they are spoiled brats. But it's not fair. It's not fair. Stop it. Life is not fair. Put your faith and trust in God. Oh, but Pastor, that's mean. You're so mean spirited. You're a mean one, Pastor Scott you're cruel you're cool you're not thank you the CD's will be for sale out in the lobby go with me in our last scripture today to the book of first Samuel chapter 6 first Samuel chapter 16 I'm sorry 1 Samuel chapter 16. Israel had uh, made some choices that they wanted to have a king like everybody else. You know what? When you start trying to live like everybody else, you usually make the wrong choices. Israel said to God, we don't want to just be under a theocracy. We want to have a king. And so God says, okay, I'll give you one. You can have Saul as your king. Eventually Saul messes up and is doing some wrong things here and something has to change. So Samuel, he was a prophet of God. Samuel hears from the Lord and he says, uh, go over to this household and I'm going to show you the next king that you're supposed to anoint. So let's look at it in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. Samuel goes over to this house and says to everybody that's there, "Let's, uh, let's go ahead and see your kids. I want to see which child you have that's going to be the next king. And he starts to see all these different young men being paraded before him. And Jesse's all excited because that means that one of his sons are going to be the future king of Israel. So he brings the oldest and puts him out in front of him. And he looks good. He's the firstborn. Surely this is the one. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance. Or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart Samuel was looking at the outside qualifications God was looking at the heart for those qualifications do you know sometimes the greatest blessing in your life may not come to you in the prettiest package Sometimes it's a Trojan horse It may look really great on the outside But your enemies on the inside People put in ministry because they looked like the part on the outside But they don't have what it takes on the inside They can't stand up under the anointing and many of them fall apart Because their heart was not right before God Your motives have to matter that goes with any job some people look and say oh let's let's do this job let's do that job that'll make the most money for us I have to tell you God's looking at the heart he's looking at you today he sees you for who you are you and I can't hide anything from the Lord but when we say to him here am I Lord use me God knows exactly where you fit He knows the right person for you to hang out with, to be married to. He knows the right connections for you to have in business, the right job, the right place. He knows even if a change is going to come, how to get you to the next step in your life. That's the kind of God we serve because he looks at your heart. So today, if you've sat back, or maybe you've even had people tell you, listen, you're not smart enough for this job. You haven't gone far enough in school. You don't have enough degrees for this. You don't have the training for this. That will never happen. You will never move ahead. They're leaving out the God factor. And we as Christians, we live by the God factor. We call it faith faith in God changes everything so if you've had people put down your dreams, if you've had people look at you and say that you don't matter that you're not good enough or well you know the job that we're wanting to fill here you're not pretty enough for I've been around some very pretty people that are really shallow on the inside and I've been around some people that you know that they've got some miles on them things were not always easy in their life, but they have the right heart. God looks at the heart. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Come before him with thanksgiving. Be willing and obedient, and see what the Lord will do. Worship team, why don't you come We're going to open the altar and I invite you if you need healing in your body that the Lord's here today to touch you and to heal you if you've never known Jesus as Savior and Lord he's here to be your Savior it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect from now on it just means you're forgiven It means that when you make choices, you're going to hear from heaven. And God is saying to you, all my resources are available to you because you're my daughter, you're my son. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. He is the God who is more than enough. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Will you just join me in prayer? Just close your eyes. Take a moment. Look within your heart. Maybe you've been going through a tough time. Maybe there's been some issues that have really been pushing in. Let's change our thinking. Let's change our believing. Let's change the information around and believe what God says. That you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. You shall experience a provision of God. It may not be what you were thinking, but it's going to come as a blessing. And it'll change the way you think, and you'll see the hand of God. My folks are looking in their heart tonight, or today here. If if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I'm going to say a prayer in a moment. And if you'd like to ask him in, he'll come in and change your life. He'll give you a brand new start if you put your faith and trust in him. Now, believers, would you take a moment while you're thanking him and worshiping, looking inside, and just with your eyes closed, just lift up your hands before God. Just begin to thank him. This is more than just a holiday. It's the way we live, a heart of thanksgiving before our God. Now, Lord, those who want to give their heart to you, I invite you to pray this prayer right where you are. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Give me a new start. I believe that Jesus is my Savior and Lord. I let him into my life. He died for me. And now I will live for him. If you prayed that prayer, your name has just been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're born again. You've got a brand new start. Welcome to the family of God. If you'd like to come down and pray for healing or if you just accepted Christ, come on down to the altar. We're not going to just rush through this, but if you want to have that knowledge in your heart that you've been prayed for, just come on down here. We'll lay hands on you and believe for God to move. Worship team, if you'd lead us.